Hello and welcome to Movie Fixers, the podcast where we don't just critique movies, but also talk about everything else in the movie industry and how it could probably be better. I'm your host, Tony, and I just want to say that the role of co-host is a very challenging and demanding role. It's one where you have to not only show up, but turn your work in on time, and this year's 2020 winner for best co-host in a Movie Fixers podcast goes to... It's Matt! Matt Goad! It's Matt Goad, everybody. Tony, how's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty good, Matt. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm alright. I'm, uh, I'm... We've been... You and I have been kind of watching a lot of movies lately in anticipation of this episode, and I'm actually really excited about this episode. Yeah, this episode's a little different. We're not fixing a movie, but rather we're going to investigate... Uh, awards, movie awards, uh, specifically probably focusing on the Oscars, because that's uh, if this podcast comes out when I plan, that should be happening uh, very soon. And just kind of point out the pros and cons and share our own opinions on, on the whole process and how we think it works and affects the movies that we see today. Yeah, we're not going to fix the movie. We're going to fix movie award shows. And I think that's it's a conversation you and I have had off and on for, as I mean, honestly, as long as our friendship. And it's something that I'm excited to talk about today because, you know, you and I, we, we met back in high school and we would have Oscar parties and we were those nerds for sure. And we've always kind of had varying degrees of interest in award shows and again specifically the oscars i think we're both kind of in the same camp that like for the last several years our our interest in those sorts of things have waned for a variety of reasons um but i want to talk um a little bit about what we like about award shows like what what is it that you like about it or or i guess what was what attracted us to the oscars in the beginning Okay, well, I can remember some of that. Uh, the parties, just the camaraderie of, you know, trying to watch. We had a lot more free time than trying to watch every nominated movie. Also, I feel like there were fewer nominated films uh, in the past, say, twenty years ago when we were first starting to do parties of uh, of this nature. There were the the best picture category was five until, um, goodness, it was like six years ago. I want to say they upped it to up to ten. Uh, in the last few years, there's been nine nom- or Best Picture nominees. Mm-hmm. And I think there's obviously a sense of just satisfaction when you see some a movie you love the most get recognized and get the award. It's I'd equate it to seeing a, a favorite sports team win a, a bowl or a championship or something like that. You know, it's the one you're rooting for. Uh, and when you see it happen, it's, it, you know, you, you kind of share in that, uh, vicariously. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think you're right. I think part of the, the appeal, part of the draw is, is, is not unlike cheering for your favorite sports team. I, I know that, um, I think one of the first years you and I had, uh, like an Oscar party that we did was the year that Moulin Rouge had come out and we were both kind of. I mean, you maybe were a little bit more into it than me, but we were both really into this movie and really excited about this movie, and we were excited to see it do as well as it did. 
yeah, I don't share that often, but that is definitely one of my favorite films. And and it and it it kind of cleaned up a lot more than people expected, and that was that was really cool. I was really happy for it. It's it's really satisfying to see good work get recognized, and that can be tricky with things like award shows when there's lots of good works. Yeah, and I think that's it's sort of an issue that's happening more today. Is there there's been such a shift. And the the uh, the tools for filmmaking are are so available now that you see movies genuinely great movies um, coming out of you know not the studio system and it, the the I don't know the net's been cast really far, um, but that that actually leads me to something that I really like about award shows and that I think are kind of the best thing that can come out of award shows is movies that are uh, awards or nominations that spotlight movies that maybe didn't get, you know, the, the Avengers end game marketing treatment. Right. And that, that I might not have seen otherwise, like a really good example from this year. I don't know that I would have seen the movie parasite. That's one of the best picture nominations this year. And I watched it yesterday and I was like, man, this this was great. This was a, it's a Korean film. I think it's a Korean film. I hope I'm not wrong about that. I'm pretty sure it's a Korean film. And it's again, it's one that nowadays I feel like I have such limited time to watch movies and TV shows and read books and play video games that I have to be really picky about what I, you know, ingest. And I'm glad I like stepped outside of my usual to watch this movie because it's a reminder that there's movies from all over the place that are, aren't the same cookie cutter formulaic, you know, thing, not that formulaic's necessarily bad, but it's just, it's refreshing to see a movie and be like, okay, that's, that was different. And like, not just different for the sake of being different. It was just different. And yeah, I think that that's one of the, my favorite things about award shows is, oftentimes you get kind of led to something that you might not have seen otherwise. Yeah, most definitely. And especially in categories where it just, like you were saying, there's a lot of marketing for big budget movies and just for feature length narrative films, but documentaries, short films, things like this, you kind of have to go searching for yourself. So award ceremonies are a great place to discover those other mediums that you might not have seen otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so speaking of the Oscars, there's uh, the Oscars are coming up soon. And like, like you said, if this, if this airs when we think it's going to air, it's going to, the Oscars are going to be right after this. Um, you've seen a couple of the, the best picture nominees this year. What are, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts? Any of them stand out to you? Yeah, it's funny. This is the first time in a long time I've made an extra effort to see uh, Oscar, like the Oscar Best Film nominee films, and partly because we're doing this podcast. It's, it's been fun. I haven't been interested in it in a while. Uh, the ones I've seen. Uh, help me out. Remind me, what are the nominations? Like, all of them. Uh, let me see if I can remember off the top of my head. Um, Parasite that I just mentioned. I haven't seen it. Um, Joker. I have seen that. Uh, the Irishman. I haven't seen that one, but I should. Which is, 
which is the only one I haven't seen. I'm, I'm actually planning on watching it shortly after we record this podcast, so that'll, uh, that'll be fun. I should have watched it, but it was a commitment of time that I just did not have. <laughs> it's like three, it's three plus hours, and it's Martin Scorsese, who, you know me, mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest Martin Scorsese fan. Um, that's not to say I don't like his work at all. I just, in general, I'm not his biggest fan, but it's, it's, a, it's a filmmaker I don't particularly care for with a runtime that's really hard to digest. Right. So it's it's the last one I'm watching, and I, I'm actually excited about it. I feel like it's going to be like a return to form for him in a lot of ways. But uh, Little Women was another one, which I saw in theaters and was excellent. I really liked it. Um, oh, man. What else am I forgetting? Uh, I've got a couple. Marriage Story. That one's nominated, right? Yeah, Marriage Story, which is a Netflix, much like The Irishman, it's a Netflix original. Netflix is really showing up at the Oscars this year. Yeah, and uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I watched that last night, Tony. I mm-hmm. just, you were right. It was just, mm. <laughs> we'll get I don't even it. have the words for it. <laughs> uh, and 1917, right? That one, Ooh, you've seen that one. I have not seen that, that one. movie. I want yeah, to that, see it. This, you're not going to like this comparison, but bear with me. It reminded me a lot of Gravity, okay. Because it's the 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 movie is told in real time. Like mm-hmm. the movie starts. It's also shot as if it's one continuous shot. Now, obviously, it's not one continuous shot because that would be ridiculous. But it's 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 shot as if it's one continuous train of thought and shot, and in the context of this kind of urgent. I hesitate to say a war story. I mean, it's a war story for sure because it takes place during the First World War. Uh, but it's it's kind of like if you were to zoom in on the war instead of like the broader strokes, if that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. I I thoroughly enjoyed 1917. Nice. Uh, so okay, I think we've we've hit them all. You asked if there was anything that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this? How about I'm just gonna kind of go over the ones I've seen. Uh, did we mention Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? We did not mention Once Sorry. Upon a Time Sorry. in Hollywood. Yeah, so like that one, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed kind of Tarantino doing that kind of just riffing in this world, and then kind of alternating the events in history that it was based around. But mm-hmm. I, I do not personally believe it deserves to be nominated for best picture and i would say the same of the movie joker but i think my reasons for this were once upon a time in hollywood i feel it was just nominated because it's about the industry in a certain amount of time and the the people who elect these things i feel like are very biased towards that joker was Uh good but i don't like the premise of it being about the Gotham City Joker character when other than the name and the fact that he goes a little crazy there's there's nothing that really connected I feel like the tighter title was clickbait in in a sense so I can see that I I kind of viewed it somewhat the opposite I kind of felt like there was this Todd Haynes had this story to tell and he chose to tell it through the lens of a very familiar DC villain. I mean, honestly, one of the most familiar comic book villains of all time. Very iconic. Um, and, and I thought the I thought framing it like that was. I mean, I guess I, I see what you're saying about it being kind of clickbaity. I, I feel like it was it was certainly a device to put people in seats. But I think I think it ultimately worked. But I don't want to give it a nod 
for that. Like personally, I I want to say, okay, you did this thing. You told a good story. Uh, it was performed well. It was made well. But I feel like there's got to be some sort of and and, I don't, and probably wasn't even the director's decision. It was probably more they had a story to tell and they wanted to get as many butts and seats as possible. So the studio said, well, we're going to drop Joker on it and call it Joker. And I'm like, eh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, this is just, again, personal opinion. I would exclude it. Um, Another one that I saw, the marriage story, uh, was beautifully acted. But again, Mm -hmm. I think it got nominated because the two main characters work in the movie industry. I don't think there was anything necessarily riveting about this story other than the performances. I would see both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson like nominated for this movie, but not... And she is. Yes. And he is. Right. But I, I wouldn't nominate now, the movie itself, personally. You you make a good point that's an excellent segue into the next like thing I think we should talk about, which is what's wrong with award shows? Like what's, what's a problem? Um, and I know we keep kind of going back to the Oscars in general, but it really is kind of the king of the award shows. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that st- certainly stirs up the most controversy um, in more ways than one, but you, you've mentioned this twice. And I think it's worth like really highlighting um, there's, there's a decided bias, especially in the Academy Awards uh, towards, uh, like, what, how did you phrase like industry films, like movies about movies or movies about acting or, you know, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of that was La La Land was a was like a, a, a darling the year it came out. And like, I don't know, it was an OK film. I did not not like it. It's just, it you know, it's a movie about actors and musicians and, and the struggle and the consequences of and right. it's, I feel like that story has been told a hundred times. Uh, you know, you either have to choose your career or your relationship kind of thing. And it it brought nothing new uh, to me. The music was forgettable. Uh, but that was last year. <laughs> I just I couldn't believe I don't even, was that last year? I think that was two, two years. Oh, was I don't even years. know. You're right. It was two years ago. Well, it was 20. I think 2018's Oscars, wasn't it? Because they had the whole best picture kerfuffle where someone oh, the, the moonlight versus La La Land yeah. kind of deal. Well, it's interesting, though, because that year Moonlight won, which was, you know, a movie that not a lot of people saw, even people that go out of their way to see like best picture nominees didn't make time for that one. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of years before that, the movie, the artist won best picture, which a lot of people again, didn't see. It was a, it was a, it was a modern day silent film and it was, I mean, again, about an actor. So we could definitely put it in that category, but it was a really great movie. So it, it's interesting that the Academy gets kind of accused of, of like selling out sometimes, but they also don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's like a, nobody's ever really happy. Cause I know every year people get mad. Like this year is a good example. Like a lot of people think it's ridiculous that Avengers end game, which is arguably like the, the, the paramount film of this series that, that did an excellent job of kind of tying together this, this 13 film story arc I think it only got like a visual effects nomination, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And a lot of people f- feel like 
it deserved a Best Picture nomination. And it just calls into question, like, what qualifies a movie as Best Picture? Is it popularity? Is it craft? Is it, you, you know what I mean? Well, in the Oscars, uh, there's a, it has to get nominated. There are over 6,000, I think around 5,000 currently active voters They uh, consist of directors, writers, a lot of them actors, some of them winners and nominees from past years. Uh, And it's all very secretive as to who actually these people are, because the idea is, is that they shouldn't be influenced. And it's the Oscars are decided by ideally people in the craft who can appreciate the effort. So I think popularity, I think that's when you start to see why you start to see a lot of the movies about the industry itself get acknowledged Mm -hmm. because it's very relatable to those making those decisions. And I think that's why certain less well-known gems can really shine because they're being appreciated by artists as well, you know, people in the field. So... the my thing with Avengers Endgame is, is that if we're being true to the idea that it's just the movie on its own merits there's no way that movie could get uh nominated because it's the second half of a story and without any context i feel it doesn't really do a lot it does so much and is the i think symbol for the achievement of the marvel cinematic universe for the last decade and and as an icon for that, I think it's amazing. But as a standalone film, I don't even think you could consider it a standalone film. So, and I don't know the answer to this, but it depends on what the Academy takes into account when it comes to deciding best pictures and best actors or anything. Do you look at the previous works as well, or do you just focus on the work in the film? Well, I think there's definitely precedence for that. I mean, didn't Return of the King, the final Lord of the Rings film, rack up, rack up like 12 wins that year or something like that? Right. And everybody sort of took it as to be a not just awards for Return of the King, but for all the the over-encompassing work. And so arguably then maybe Avengers Endgame has a a leg to stand on on that merit. But it's it's left unclear to us, the audience, as to how that decision-making works. Right, the rhyme or reason as to why some films get nominated. Well, and not even just films. Like, something that I was thinking about last night that was really weird was, I I loved Jojo Rabbit. Um, Absolutely loved that movie. And when I was kind of looking at the IMDb page for the movie, I didn't realize that Scarlett Johansson is nominated this year for leading actress for Marriage Story, which I, I want to be very clear, I think is completely deserved. She's absolutely amazing in Marriage Story. But she's nominated for supporting for Jojo Rabbit. And while I think she was quite good in it, 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 it kind of reminds me a little bit of back in the day when Judy Dench got nominated for her like eight minutes of screen time in Shakespeare in Love. And mm-hmm. it's like, I, 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 I realize that the mark of of acting achievement isn't necessarily measured in minutes on screen, but it, it calls to question to me when, you know, I Scarlett Johansson doesn't have a ton of screen time in Jojo Rabbit, 
And can I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you 100% on this one, actually. I'd like to argue the case that, because first of all, Jojo Rabbit is, is my, the one I'm rooting for to win. It is my favorite of the Best Picture noms. And I kept thinking, okay, Scarlett Johansson was, and Adam Driver were good in Marriage Story. I think she less than Adam uh, in that movie. But then I see Jojo Rabbit. And what, yeah, she she wasn't on screen all the time. I think she had a lot of good scenes and, and a mm-hmm. lot, like a legitimate amount of time in that movie to be awarded a best supporting uh, nom. And but there was because her performance was just always spot on. She brought, mm-hmm. you know, Jojo Rabbit is is a really complex, is kind of a a ebb and flow of dark comedy and then just the effects of war. Uh, viewed through the eyes of a child. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, he's a Nazi child, you know, part of the Third Reich, basically. He's grown up in the propaganda and believes in it, and his beliefs are challenged as the war comes to an end and they are losing. Uh, and it's and he's 10. Yeah, and he's 10. And so what's interesting, in Taika Watiti, the director, talks about how, yes, there was comedy and humor, but it was never supposed to under overshadow or make light of the actual effects of World War II. Rather, it, right. the whole and movie... And I think he rides that line exceptionally well. And I think Scarlett Johansson's character and her performance is really part of that, because while she's always trying to be supporting and patient for her son, and she's secretly acting out against the Reich uh, in mm-hmm. her own way, she's also harboring a Jewish girl who's the other main character... And supporting her and encouraging her, you know, there's a whole scene where she basically tells her not to give up because every day you are alive, they don't win. And that scene, uh, my wife Chrissy and I were both watching that and Chrissy looked at uh, just kind of the age difference and said, I'm her age and she's my cousin Michelle's age who they're best friends and they support each Mm -hmm. other and... You know, it's just like that really stuck out to her. But what stuck out to me was this 10 year old boy at dinner is just being extremely obstinate to her like a 10 year old boy can do. And mm-hmm. she because he wants his dad, his dad's supposed to be off fighting in the war and he wants his dad and his dad's not there. So she, you know, who's been trying to be patient and loving and funny and a lot of times just like slams her hand down on the, the table and yells at him and then stalks off over to the. Uh, oh, no, but first she reaches into the fireplace and rubs ash across the bottom of her face to look like a beard and then slams her hand down on the table and yells at him like his father would have, you imagine. And then she steps off to the side and just kind of sighs and starts to have a conversation as her husband to herself. And, I mean, I was blown away. I mean, that scene alone right there just blew me away. And I thought, oh, wow. Like, I've always followed ScarJo. I love a lot of her stuff, you know, just, you know, her stuff with Woody Allen and things like that. And she's always been amazing, but just to see her just like kill it right there and impress someone like me, who's always sort of been like really in her corner to blow me away. I was just like, yeah, you know, she, she totally deserves that nomination. So that is my long winded argument against what you said. (laughs) Well, I want to finish what I was saying, I'm to be sorry. honest. I, I get what you're saying, and I think you definitely highlighted her her two really standout moments in that movie. I think w- more what, I'm, what I was driving at was, while her performance in this movie is excellent, she's very, very good, 
I don't understand the rhyme or reason as to how she got a nomination for that work, but the boy that plays JoJo and Sam Rockwell didn't get nominations. Sam Rockwell didn't get I feel nominated? Like I don't think so. Oh man, but he was maybe I'm so missing, great in maybe that. I'm wrong. Yeah. But my my point or but so I don't know. I'd need to look it up. I don't think Sam Rockwell did. But what what I'm more I don't know. I just think it's a real shame because you you know me and child actors. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of child actors in general, and I know I'm not alone in that. But I thought the actor that played JoJo was just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And and it was his yeah, first no, Sam acting Rockwell role. Did not get, Sam Rockwell did not get nominated for this. And he's also absolutely incredible. Oh, that's a and shame. So that's a, that's a just, damn shame. Yeah. So it, it's not... My, my point isn't to say that Scarlett Johansson doesn't deserve the attention it's getting. My point is really more like how any of this is even decided. You know, because they're in it. In a time when so many movies are made, I, I think you looked this this statistic up. Like we're they're literally just making more and more movies every year, and like exponentially more movies, uh, which means that there's even more performances, and there's even more visual effects, and there's even more sound editing. So like the 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 pool from which things are are drawn is getting you know wider and deeper. So what how how do we even begin to narrow it down in a year where scarlett johansson's nominated twice and you know sam rockwell's nominated none it's it's no commentary on scarlett johansson it's more commentary on how how any of this is determined in the first place you know right and i guess the thing to be kind to those making the decision there are so many choices people have to get left behind unfortunately and i think part of it the what what i have read and what i do understand is that there has to be a nomination for an actor or a movie or whichever position to be considered and then it's voted on and then those vote those that are you know selected through the vote become the nominees so it stands to reason that Sam Rockwell and others were probably highly considered. And then as you just have to make cuts and make cuts and make cuts, he must have fell out. But he's got my nom for sure. (laughs) Yeah, he really did. I don't know. There's there's so much to like about Jojo Rabbit. Mm -hmm. We could just make this podcast why we love Jojo Rabbit podcast. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah, it could. We could easily go that route. Um. Yeah, so we've talked about what we like in these in in the award shows. We like that we get to 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 shed some light on some lesser known movies. I mean, even Jojo Rabbit, I, I would qualify as a movie that a lot of people might not have seen for one reason or another if it wasn't a Best Picture nominee. It was originally loose. Uh, kind of had a, a a light release when it came out or at the first because studios were afraid people wouldn't get it. That because it was a, you know, boy. It was it was set in World War Two, but it was following a Nazi. The boy was a Nazi, and you know his imaginary friend is his some his assuming of what Hitler is. So his imaginary friend is Hitler or how he sees Hitler uh, mm-hmm. played by Taika Waititi. 
there was just this fear that it was going to be it was going to come off as terribly offensive. Now, when you see the movie, you realize right away how ridiculous that is. Yeah, well, and I think the the original advertising wasn't super clear, but I, I was looking at the trailers last night, and starting from the second trailer, they I think they used the word satire three different times in the trailer <laughs> because they they really want to drive home that it's 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 almost in the style of like an old Mel Brooks satire. Right, and after after it was nominated, uh, they did a second release in theaters for it, and. Just, just to give people a chance to go back out and see it because they might not have heard of it. So it, it's, it's been doing well overall. I just, it's, you know, it wasn't going to be one of those that blew up the first weekend. Also, it's available on iTunes and Amazon Prime right now. Oh yeah, that's how I watched it. <laughs> that yeah, I watched it on iTunes last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we great. talked about the award shows having the power to kind of. Um, Oh, you know, another good example of this, sorry, is uh, in the animated film category. I mean, several years ago when uh, Spirited Away won the Oscar for Best Animated Film, that wasn't a Disney film. Well, I mean, it was sort of released by Disney, but it was it was <laughs> it was a film that I think a lot of Americans at that time might not have seen. Right. I hadn't and heard of it. I, th- I think that movie really kind of propelled Studio Ghibli into the forefront of the American mind and like, especially people that enjoy animation that might not have seen any of these, um, any of the studios work. Yeah. And it, it, I was one of those people. Cause I really love spirited away. I love the studio Ghibli that made it and, you know, dozens of other movies. And I've gone and tried to watch all of them because I first heard about it from, it, uh, Spirited Away getting an Oscar nod, so that was that was really cool. Yeah, and in another way that it can expand us. But and I think you're trying to ask yes. this: what there's some downsides to these this kind of award based uh, recognition for film. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think I think what we we see a lot of is bias like you said towards specific types of films but i think we also see a lot of bias towards the same actors over and over and over again um it's it's like we talked about it's 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 not realistically that scarlett johansson is the only one doing the work this year it's that she you know for for whatever the nomination process is she happened to come out on top you know meryl streep's been nominated 693 times i think is the last count <laughs> and it's like it's not that it's not honestly that meryl streep is the only actress that's showing up and doing the work it's just that that's how the system keeps awarding these performances and it's you know obviously these big name actors are constantly nominated over and over and over again and you see exceptions to it here and there like i remember the year that um oh uh, what was that captain phillips movie with tom hanks the the actor that played the somali pirate um he got a nomination so there's there there always seems to be like one you know unknown or one it almost seems deliberate celebrity Oh, it absolutely that they are going out of their way to nominate an up and comer. And I think the problem is, is that the award 
the award industry itself sort of perpetuates the same actor coming up and up again because once you get nominated, once you win an Academy Award specifically, your prospects skyrocket. So once you're recognized, then everybody wants to put you into those roles that will then get you recognized again. And so it sort of perpetuates like a, like a really stale system where good actors and directors keep getting recognized because they keep getting the work, but it doesn't leave a lot of room for new talent to get recognized until they pick that one deliberate, well, here's the no-name, here's the up-and-comer. And so I feel like where we are having stuff exposed to us, like we said, through these award ceremonies the filter is very narrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, even that's a complicated issue because the, the Oscars are televised and they're meant to be an event. So, you know, the, the argument is definitely made that you want the glitz and glamor of these A-list celebrities that you're familiar with. You want to see these movies that you're familiar with that you saw nominated. It's like we said at the very beginning, you want to cheer on not just your movie, but you want to cheer on Meryl Streep because you've seen her in 600 movies at this point and you just want to see her do well. Um, But I think it ends up overshadowing other really stellar performances. Um, Like I said, the the kid from Jojo Rabbit, it, it kind of, blows my mind he didn't get a nomination because he was quite good Mm -hmm. that's not to say that like Joaquin Phoenix as Joker wasn't amazing I mean I think he was just absolutely incredible in that role but you know there's there were other really amazing performances this year it's almost like I don't know I'm not really sure what I want to do with this and that's really where I want to take this conversation is how would you change and again we can be specific we can say the academy awards specifically but how would you want to change these award shows and to what end like do we want to make them more relevant do we want to make them more um representative of the the films and the performances and the work you know what what problems would we want to address in the academy awards so i have an idea, and it's a bit uh, severe. It would, but but I I think that's the route to go with this. I don't think we're going to find the perfect way to represent everything. The problem is, is there's too much to represent in one award show, or even multiples, where even where the audience is the vote is the deciding factor of what's popular. If in you know other uh, award ceremonies rather than the Oscars, where it's the industry, but. I think removing the ranking of a best and rather recognizing greatness as a collective would be better because it already to me is a bit wild. Like when you look at best picture and they're not even like in the same category, how do you measure that? ultimately oh we totally left out a best picture nominee earlier we forgot about uh ford versus ferrari oh yeah i also have no interest in that movie but (laughs) it was it was absolutely excellent it was one of those movies that i i didn't really have any dog in that fight but my dad wanted to see it and i was like cool we'll go see it and i remember vividly leaving that theater going like holy crap that was an amazing movie like 
There's no way it would ever get like a best picture nomination, but that was a really great movie. And then they made the announcements and I'm like, holy crap, it got a best picture nomination. <laughs> I might look at it. I have zero interest in that that's the subject matter, but you know, that doesn't mean that I will I will tell you I didn't either, but that's the hallmark of what makes a movie like that good is it's like it, it's kind of like we talked about fighting with my family. Like, mm-hmm. you and I don't have any interest in wrestling, but man, did that movie not make you interested for the hour and a half that you were watching it. Definitely. And I think I think good movies can do that. All right. But sorry, I sidetracked your, 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 your train of thought. You, you were saying in the best picture category, how do you compare one movie to another? Like, I'm with you. I don't know how you compare Parasite to 1917 to Joker. I mean, they're just... They're they're all three to Once Upon a Time films. in Hollywood, you know, which right. I which again was a good film, but just and I don't think making more categories is the answer because I think it just gets convoluted. Yeah, we see like in the Golden Globes, they they separate it into best picture drama and best picture musical or comedy, but I think part of that problem is um, how. How you know movies aren't as genre um, specific nowadays? I think I think movies it all the time get labeled like Parasite is a great example of like I don't know if I would call that a drama or a comedy because like it's funny it's a funny movie and you laugh quite a bit but it's also an uncomfortable movie and it gets real heavy a couple times. And, you know, how do you how do you decide, you know, how that movie gets received as a genre? Do you Mm -hmm. put it in the drama category? Do you put it in the comedy category? Because I feel like nowadays, especially so many movies are both of those things. Well, and that's why I know in our culture, we have a tendency to strive for to say something is the best. And right I think we need to, especially in cinema, especially in art, we we really can't be doing that. Now, there's a financial reason that happens. A movie that wins the Oscar or an actor or actress director that wins the Oscar suddenly becomes more valuable. They... If you if you give an if you assign one person the winner, they become more valuable, and I think that's honestly not good because it's it's not necessarily true. You know, instead of having a winner, why not just recognize everything for what it is? The nominations is where it should stop. The ceremony should be a celebration of the achievements of those nominated. Spend less time trying to figure out which one's the best, which is so subjective to the point where no one really believes in it, even when it happens and starts claiming politics and all this other stuff, and instead go, let's just celebrate some of the great cinema that happened last year, some of the great art. And I think that's way more positive, way more reinforcing, less arrogant in a lot of ways, and could even open up the idea of including more into each category, more people, more more films, things like that. And that's that's my big 
uh, for the Oscars specifically, like, fix. And I don't think that would really go over well at first, because, again, we're a country that likes to say, this is better than that, definitively. But even when we do that, it's not true. And when we're talking about art, we shouldn't. Yeah, I, I'm... I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to process what you're saying. So your your suggestion is to, I mean, how how would it work in the the context of the show itself? Would you say would you want to wait and like on the night of airing reveal the nominees mm. or reveal the the ones that are being pointed out? I didn't think you, about that. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is is that it kind of still does what I'm saying, which is you're waiting to see. So if the one that you want to get picked doesn't get picked, then you've still lost. I want to kind of take out the competition of it and, you know, make it more about like, like that's an interesting way to get people hooked, but I would eventually want it to be because then there would be lists of potential nominees and then you'd hear the actual nominees and then they're still elevated. I just want to celebrate. So how the ceremony would work, how the Oscars would work is, uh, and you already see a lot of this, like in between announcing each, um, each winner, each category, they have skits that are already kind of celebrating the music or the content of all the different things that are nominated. I mean, more shows. Make it a bigger just production of shows. They have, you know, they always have special acknowledgments to actors and achievements of, of people past for films. We would see more of that for each current film being recognized, each current actor being recognized. We'd see their, you know, just, just sort of like an acknowledgement of their work in what they did that year and in, in the thing that they're being nominated for. And we just celebrate the performance interesting. more than the character. And it, I think it would be a lot more interesting to watch because it would be a lot less talking. Yes, there probably wouldn't be the whole someone come up and give a speech that they get interrupted in the middle of and thank a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that's necessary. I mean, I know there there have been some iconic moments and a lot of those speeches, especially from days old past, like, you know, where, where they're being quoted, like the you like me, you really like me kind of moment. But I just I think mm -hmm. we don't really get that anymore. We don't need that anymore. You know, those same mm -hmm. people, once they get acknowledged, will get interviewed afterwards anyway. And they could talk in that, you know, in, in that form. And there's a million ways to reach out to those you love and, and say it online now. So it's it's not as necessary. So you could just cut that out entirely and have all the nominees just recognized. Use that time for that and, and get rid of this best idea or better than idea. I, I think that's an interesting idea. I Something I don't know if you were getting at this or not or if I if my if this is where my, my mind went, but I, I, I thought it was interesting. The idea of, of honoring an actor's achievement and not specifically necessarily for one role mm -hmm. it to go back to Scarlett Johansson. It'd be interesting to see her highlighted this year for her work in marriage story and in Jojo rabbit, but not necessarily for one or the other. You know what I mean? Like the the concept of like a nominee for best actress for her work in a year, mm -hmm. but not necessarily for specific 
things. What I was going to say was as a fix, because I feel like if you get rid of the like the categories and the winners altogether, then it's not even really the Oscars not anymore. Not the categories, just the winners. Keep the categories. Okay. But I think if you got rid of that, then you would lose it. You would lose people's interest. So what I would counter to that is just be more a lot more transparent in the selection process. Because right now, it just sort of seems like this declarative statement that, you know... 1917 is the best picture of the year and it's like on what standards on who like who decided that and it the thing is like it's only the best picture because this group of people decided so so i think almost like um when like comedy central does the roasts of people like it's it's us being as a viewer being invited into what's what's inherently like a private space you know, I think the Oscars get treated like this big public space, but really the Oscars are members of the Academy who are people who have previously like won awards already voting on each other. So it's very insular. It's very um, only 20 percent of the like 6000 make up actual winners and then another 14 percent. I, I looked all these stats up make up mm-hmm. uh, the make up nominated people that were nominated but didn't win and that's from a 2012 census but that's the latest one they've done interesting so that's definitely less than i realized Mm -hmm. i I was just thinking if they if they made a, a better effort to clarify like who's picking these awards then maybe it might can i tweak that better yeah instead of uh, a better like definitely more transparency not about who's making those decisions because i think it's smart that they keep that uh on the down low but what the ultimate criteria was what 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 made the choice because i i imagine there has to be some back and forth even if it's internally even if there's not like a discussion panel of about 5000 active voters but if there's just sort of like a discourse going on that's very similar for all of them that these were the things that that stood out these were the things that finally put their votes to this film rather than any of the others and if we had more of a transparency of that that would be interesting Right, because there's there's you hear these stories about like the people that vote in the best animated feature category just picking whatever movie their kids saw. Like you you read those stories and you you think about the fact that all, these academy members they get like a hundred screeners a year or something like that. I'm just making a number up, but they get a lot of screening copies every year, and. People, I mean, you and I, we, we've like gone out of our way to watch the nine or as many of the nine uh, best picture nominees as possible. But, you know, if you're being given a lot of screeners to kind of make a decision, you're going to naturally gravitate toward familiar subject matter, toward familiar actors and actresses. And you so you might, whether you mean to or not, be biased in your decision making because, you know, say I got sent screeners for all the best picture nominees and I'm a I'm a car junkie. So I, I definitely picked up Ford versus Ferrari first and I don't like reading my movies. So I just didn't even bother with Parasite. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's no real 
there's sort of like a an understood agreement that you're going to make the best effort, but you know people are people, right? And they're going to gravitate towards the subject matter that is most comfortable and familiar to them, and it's going to make a difference in their the way they nominate and the way they vote, right? And so maybe even if we don't do as much transparency about how the decisions are made, there needs to be more of an acknowledgement that this isn't the end-all be-all that it's treated as. The Oscars do not define you as great or not great. And we always look for things like these kinds of awards. And the Academy has no problem jerking their own chain about how great it is Mm -hmm. to have one of their awards. What if some of the prestige was stripped away from something like the Oscars? What if it was as good or considered as or treated as good as an award given through, you know, votes of the fans, where the fans decide that this is, you know, popularity. Because I mean it is it is just a different kind of popularity in the end, isn't it? Right. Every every award show is a popularity contest i mean that that's the that's literally that you can't get away from that right but the effects of these shows the winners and and the losers Mm. it affects like their careers of actual people and so maybe just sort of calling it out and owning that it shouldn't be considered the end-all be-all and that this is just an acknowledgement from this particular facet I mean, that's yeah. something we should do as uh, audience members in general. Like, that's not something the Academy necessarily needs to do for us. We're all intelligent, free-thinking people, I think. But I do think with the stage and the voice that the Oscars have, something th- with minimal change to how the Oscars work, without completely upturning the whole system, something that I would like to see is maybe more acknowledgement of the of the variety and the quantity of work that's produced every year. So, you know, obviously these nine films that are best picture nominees are going to get some screen time on Sunday during the, 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 the telecast, but I'd love to see the, the Oscars make a bigger effort to highlight a lot of the films and performances that weren't nominated. Does that make any sense? Definitely, like, but all it, the all these like packages that they produce, and mm-hmm. I mean they're definitely going to acknowledge things like Endgame because you can't not acknowledge something like that that was you know a, a, a cultural event really, but you know I I think about uh, Shia LaBeouf had a movie that came out this past year called Honey Boy that was kind of like almost semi autobiographical, and he wrote it and he starred in it and it was amazing. Uh, he also did a movie called The uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, which was also amazing. And neither of those got any nominations. And uh, again, there's so many movies, it's hard to say what should and shouldn't get nominated. But I would love to see movies like that get like even just a little bit of screen time to to encourage people to, to, uh, to again, going back to what makes award shows good is shining that light on things that people haven't seen. So maybe shine a few more lights is what I'm kind of driving at. Yeah, and that kind of works with what I was saying. I mean, if you're if you're acknowledging 
what would that even be, though? Because you've got nominees, and that's sort of what the nominations are supposed to be, because that's still something that a, a movie will brag about after the awards are done if they lose. If the movie gets X many nominations, that's still an achievement in and of itself. So now you're expanding the pool of nominees, or it's just like a sub-nominee no, 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 category? No, 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 I'm not even talking about furthering any nominations i'm i'm more talking about just showing i don't know just like a package like an edited package of like a clips reel almost of of these are the these are the movies that maybe didn't get nominated this year but had standout performances standout writing and we you know we just want to acknowledge them acknowledgement mm-hmm. is it not not more nominations i'm not saying let's expand best picture nominees to 15 films i'm saying you know have have the have the the nominations as they are be clear about how we arrived at those nominations like who who are the people that are making those decisions and then but also say like and while the you know we while we're while we're focusing on these films you know, 2019 was an, was a great year for cinema, and here's a, here's a lot of other great movies that you might have missed. Yeah, I mean that would be an easy segment to do that could fit into the existing format. Unless you want, do you want to do something like that for each category? Kind of an acknowledgement that. Ooh, yeah, I like because I was just thinking like, how do we even begin? Because th- then the question arises, like, who gets to pick these? Who gets to pick the movies that that didn't get <laughs> nominated but need screen time? <laughs> the same people, yeah. I mean, I I like what you're saying because it's more inclusive. But the obvious issues will still come up that the mm-hmm. same decisions are the decisions are being made by the same group, and that ultimately things will still get left out. So, and then the, what do you call that? Like recognition, you know, because any film that gets recognized in this way is going to want to advertise that, you know. Yeah. Recognized for three right. categories in the Academy Awards, nominated for four, and winner of two, you know. Well, Tom, we need to wrap this puppy up. <laughs> I'm, I don't know that we certain, definitely fixed the award shows, but I, 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 I think we landed on some fun ideas. Yeah, I think it's it's the thing to fix really is the perception. And that's something that we can do as viewers of it and consumers of it. Just know that just because a certain group says this is the best, we know that that may not necessarily be definitive. It's It's like we say on this show, if you don't like what if you don't agree with us, if you don't agree with our, you know, rulings on films and our fixes, that's perfectly fine. And we have no more standard on that or or station or authority than you do. And I think that's true of the Academy. The Academy has no more say in what we like than uh, we do. We, we are in charge of that. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. And it makes me think that maybe the fix isn't, even so much the thing as much as it may be the audience, like just taking the Oscars for what they're worth and not treating them like the king of all awards or that, you know, when when they declare the best picture, that that is, in fact, the best picture. Just take it kind of for what it's worth and know that it's OK to agree and it's OK to disagree about it, you know? 
and that there is good that comes from this. I mean, that, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound like I'm against awards or even against competition. I know my fix was to take away the winner. There's there is good in competition. It, it creates competitiveness mm-hmm. and strive. It just shouldn't be penultimate, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Well, Tom, before we wrap this up, uh, any recommendations? I mean, I feel like we could say, what's your pick for best picture? But I feel like I already know the answer to that one. Yeah, I this uh, look at the Oscars slash raving about Jojo Rabbit uh, episode has uh, made that clear. Something I did want to come in and recommend, uh, I've already recommended it to you off off mic, but I've really been getting into the anime Carol and Tuesday, which is on mm-hmm. Netflix. It is created by, uh, I'm going to try and get his name right, uh, Shinshiro Watanabe, who's made a lot of work that I love, Cowboy Bebop being one of my favorite animes and just shows of all time, uh, Samurai Shampoo. Um, Space Dandy, which is just insane. And this is his latest work. And the th- thing about uh, Mr. Watanabe is, is he really loves music and he makes music very strongly incorporated in, into all his works. But this one is, this show is most definitely his direct love letter to music. It's about uh, two girls from different sides of the tracks that find each other in uh, a very futuristic world on Mars and basically... Uh, the first arc of it is them getting on an idol show and trying to make it big. And I know that doesn't sound terribly original, but what is original is all of the music. Uh, and not just from them, but from the other contestants on the show. And it gets really diverse and really unique. And I've gone and downloaded the full tracks because you get sort of like a snippet, like maybe a minute, minute and a half of certain songs. And then you go and realize, oh, there's... This is a full song, so almost every episode you're getting a new song, a new track, which is amazing. The characters are, of course, very endearing uh, all around, and the animation is some of the best. So, uh, Carol and Tuesday, you find it on Netflix. I'm only halfway through, so no spoilers if you see me. I don't know how you're going to see me. I'm not on any social media, but... Uh, yeah, I it does not it does not disappoint Mr. Watanabe. I love him and all of all of his creations. How about nice. you, Matt? Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, so I've just I'm looking at the best picture nominees and the the I don't I don't know if I could pick right now which one I think will win best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that my two favorites on the list were Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. Uh, I saw Little Women in theaters. It's not getting a lot of buzz. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a strong category this year. But I really liked Little Women. I'd never seen any version of it. I'd never read the book, so it was all kind of a nice, pleasant surprise for me. But the performances are really strong. I'm such a fan of Saoirse Ronan, who kind of plays the lead, and uh, Laura Dern is really good in it. Uh, what's her name from uh, from Fighting with My Family? She's in it as well. Florence Pugh. And she's got an... She, oh, uh, she's nominated for it. Huh. I didn't realize that Laura Dern is nominated for Marriage Story, and she's also in Little Women. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, it's like you said. <laughs> you see a lot of the same faces uh, wrapping around, and it, partly because they they have the talent, but partly because that talent gets them in the roles to get noticed again. Yeah, I think you, you, you are totally right in that that it, it's sort of like it gets to be very cyclical like 
you you get those roles once you win. So. And and I think that's why the academy tries to go out of its way to pick an individual at least or or underdog, if you will, to to recognize because they start to see their their own faults. They're not flawless. All right, Tom, we need to wrap this buddy up. Um, listeners, if you have any thoughts on on award shows, the Oscars, uh, any picks that you have for who's going to win, who who got snubbed, I kind of hate that phrase. A lot of people say so and so got snubbed. I'm like, that's not really how it worked. Um, but yeah, if you if you've got any thoughts on it, definitely let us know. And if you got any movies that you want to see us fix, please let us know. You can email us. You can Facebook comment. You can comment, I think, on iTunes now. Uh, I, you can leave a review on iTunes for sure, if you'd like. That That's would be true. great. Which we wouldn't hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you don't like us, which I understand. We're still getting the, the kinks out of this formula. And mm-hmm. we hope to do more episodes like this where we don't just cover a movie, but we cover something else about the, the movie-going experience. Uh, one I'm kind of waiting to talk about with you, Matt, is the idea of the cinema experience, going to the theater. And I know we have sort of different views on how important we uh, we think that is. So hopefully that's something maybe in the next month or two we can uh, talk about. Absolutely. I'd love that. Cool. Well, all right then. This has been another episode of Movie Fixers. I'm your host, Tony, and my co-host... Uh, winner of best co-host in a movie fixers podcast, Matt Goad, also with me. Thanks for always being here, Matt. Thanks. I, I you know, couldn't do this without you. Yep. And we probably couldn't do this, or we wouldn't enjoy it as much if we didn't have you, the listeners. And Matt, where can the listeners again just uh, talk to us? What's that email? And maybe that Facebook. Uh, contact at only on TSD and facebook.com slash only on TSD. We're also on line at 30 something spelled out dot digital all right and we'll see you here next time uh with another movie do we have that movie picked out yet matt we do not but i think i'm gonna try and get you to watch one that you hate (laughs) oh great (laughs) i can't wait we'll announce that hopefully before it comes out all right everybody thanks for tuning in bye